Hi everyone, I'm Kyle Bechet, and this is the AAF Exchange, a podcast from the American Action Forum, where experts provide clear, data-driven insights into today's economic and domestic policy issues. Welcome, and thank you for tuning in. This week, Washington is primarily focused on the one-year anniversary of the Biden administration, but we also have Congress taking up antitrust legislation aimed at big tech, and airlines are battling over the expansion of 5G. Joining us to break all this down is AAF's President Douglas holtz Doug, thanks for joining us. My pleasure, Kyle. Good to be here. How have you been the last couple of days? Well, I've recovered from the Steelers' inglorious exit from the NFL playoffs, and um, life's good. Otherwise, yeah. fine. Yeah, I, I'm with you there. Uh, the Patriots, of course, did not have a great end to our season, but, you know, <laughs> things, the future looks bright for us, so I'm, I'm happy with that at least. Good. We have a couple of things to talk about today, and so what the heck, let's start with 5G. Um, Several airline executives this week uh, threatened to ground travel and shipping flights in response to a 5G mobile network expansion. Americans, including myself, are, you know, kind of confused. What's going on here? So the race to 5G has been well documented over the past several years, trying to get in place uh, the next generation of wireless communications that would allow for extremely high bandwidth and, and a lot more impactful apps that would that would follow you everywhere. So uh, that's been going on. Going back to about 2017, the you know the, the spectrum got auctioned. The wireless companies started trying to to deploy this, and the FCC and the FAA in principle, uh, agreed that this would not interfere with uh, aircraft. And in particular, they have these altimeters that they use in uh, bad weather that allow them to safely approach and land airports. And seemingly all was fine for this rollout. Then suddenly, uh, what we saw was the FAA essentially reverse course and say, no, these will interfere with the altimeters. And as a result, if there is bad weather, we are going to force them to uh, sort of change uh, landing locations, right? We're going to divert them to another airport, or we're going to stop the flights, or name it. And so there was, in fact, um, an, an FAA order issued about a week ago that said, as of this date, these planes are not certified to, to land, and the 777s, the Boeing planes uh, that are used on international travel, were one of those. So that's why some of the international airlines canceled their flights. So it's not just the airline manufacturer. The aircraft manufacturers are concerned about this. They, they claim there will be interference. And, um, you know, but the FAA is, is, is basically saying we're not going to allow um, these to operate in unsafe conditions. And so there was this threat of really widespread uh, cancellations because you can't put the plane in the air if you can't safely divert it. And so routes weren't going to be certified, things like that. Uh, so, so now, you know, that's where we are that the, the, the uh, rollout got put on hold for two weeks while this uh, issue gets litigated. I, I'm not technically capable of adjudicating the dispute about whether there will be genuine interference with these altimeters as they approach these airports. I, I don't know the answer to that. I do think this represents an enormous management failure by the Trump administration going back to 2017 and now the Biden administration, there is no way this should happen. We should not get to the point where it's a national priority to to lead the world in 5G. People have said that repeatedly. It was a national priority to keep the airlines flying. We spent tens of billions of dollars in the pandemic to do that. How can you let these two priorities come into conflict without anyone stepping in? 
And and so I find this mystifying. And but it's a, it's a a really disturbing situation. And it will have to get settled that at the technical level, how much interference is there? And if it is some, can you sort of you know take the altimeters and shield them somehow, upgrade them, whatever it might be? That's something that you could have done with the proceeds of the spectrum auctions, for example. You sort of put some money in for that. So I, I can't genuinely defend anybody in this situation. This is a mess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so I mean, it really seems odd. Like the FCC and the telecom companies have wanted to move forward with the 5G expansion. As you mentioned, it would be great to lead the, the, the way on this. Uh, the FAA doesn't want the expansion of these near the airports. I think they put like two miles buffer zone is what they what they did. And then the airlines are drawing, you know, a line in the sand over the issue. And of course, 5G has been around since what, 2017, I think you mentioned the the plan for this, at least. So why is this debate happening now? Shouldn't we have been figuring out these issues all the way through? Should have been done. Uh, there, there, there's an enormous amount of technical expertise on spectrum and transmission related issues at the FCC. There's an enormous amount of expertise on uh, transmission issues at the FAA and in the, the airline industry. Those experts should have been sitting at the same table four years ago, not now, and they it should have been settled what needed to be done on both sides so that they could coexist. It didn't happen for whatever reason. Like I said, I think that's a management failure, and I will just openly say I don't think the Biden White House has done a very good job here. They keep putting out statements applauding the efforts being made. They should be putting everybody in a, in a single room in the West Wing saying, you know, sort this out now. Yeah. Uh, it's it's a mystery. It's a it's a reminder that there are trade-offs involved in all sorts of policy issues, and and sometimes there has to be a decision made, and that decision gets rolled up to the top. I mean, I, so this one needs to get made. Yeah. So yeah, how do we get this deployment off the ground? How do we finish getting five G, you know, to to all of these areas? Uh, does Congress need to step in and do something here? I, I think number one, for a, a non-expert like me, there has to be a public declaration of the degree to which the current deployment genuinely represents uh, an interference threat for the operation of these altimeters. And then there has to be a decision. What is the best way to do that? Change the altimeters or change the deployment? Uh, so far, we've just gone on hold. That's not solving the problem. And so one or the other has to happen. And certainly, if it's important enough, one can. I mean, we can do this. Um, shifting gears, uh, many in Congress and the administration are pushing to crack down on big tech via antitrust legislation, with one key bill being marked up today in, this, in, the, in the Senate committee. Doug, what are, what are the concerns um, this crackdown is attempting to address? And is antitrust law the best tool to address these concerns? So the, the stated concern has to do with uh, platforms uh, where companies operate a platform and then also compete as, uh, as one of the companies marketing things on that platform. So, you know, Amazon is a platform for, for buying and selling things, but there are also Amazon products on there, Amazon Basics and things like that. Google is a, is a platform. And, uh, you know, as, a, as I wrote in the Daily Dish this morning, if you Google American Action Forum, you get a link to, to us, yes, but you also get a picture of the exterior of our building, which is super ugly, but there. And you get a Google map to find us. And, um, you know, those are all Google products that are appearing simultaneously on the platform, which is Google. Now, it could have been an Apple map, or you could have let me choose the, 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 the map I'm going to see, something like that. And so the concern is that these platform companies are giving themselves an unfair advantage uh, by self-preferencing their products first and 
and that this is going to be uh, a problem. So, you know, certainly Apple Maps gets less usage on Google because of this self-preferencing. I think that's indisputably the case. And, you know, the image there is a Google image that we, there are lots of other uh, image search engines. It could have been someone else's. So it's clearly impacting these other companies. So the bill and the, the markup is about this phenomenon. And what they want to do is to, uh, in different ways, rein in this, this self-preferencing. In some cases, it will be quite draconian. Right? Like they, you can't offer you know, Amazon Prime. Right? That's, a, that's an Amazon product. And so if you go on Amazon, that, that self-preferencing has to go away. And so that, that's what's going on. I think this entire enterprise misses the point. Uh, the point is that antitrust competition issues in general have, have been driven for decades now by the notion of uh, a consumer welfare standard. We will allow behavior or disallow behavior, allow mergers or, or block mergers based on whether consumer welfare is enhanced or not. My welfare is enhanced by that Google search stuff. I, I like the image. I like the map. I do not feel uh, that self-preferencing diminishes my uh, welfare in any way. And so by that standard, you, you don't do this. This bill is focused on the impact on other competitors. I don't think we should care about other competitors. I think we should care only about the ultimate consumer. And, and if they're getting better service as a result of these activities, then that, that's fine. So that's, that's the issue. I, I don't think it's a crazy issue. When you first hear about it, self-preferencing does sound wrong. But the question is, what standard will you apply to the evaluation of any practice, self-preferencing or otherwise? And the second important part here is, this is aimed at big tech because big tech is currently unpopular. That's that's a political reality. But it would change the standards for lots of uh, competition issues. And there's a broader effort being undertaken by the Department of Justice and the Federal Trade Commission to rewrite the, the merger standards along these lines. That says that this sort of what I think is inappropriate focus is spreading more broadly through the economy. And, I, and I, so I think as a policy matter, I think that's a step in the wrong direction. Yeah, as you mentioned, current law uses the consumer welfare standard to review these antitrust claims. You know, and it sounds like some key leaders want to shift to the biggest bad standard, uh, which, you know, that's the theme that seems to be a lot around a lot of this legislation. What are each of these and, you know, what are the implications of making that sort of a shift? So the, 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 the biggest bad uh, is essentially says, okay, if you're really big and the other guys are small, you're going to have a lot of market power. And so you're practically a monopoly and that, that has to be bad. So the consumer welfare standard would answer that, right? It would say, okay, we've looked at this and this company has a disproportionate influence and it's using it to uh, raise prices on consumers and to, to limit their capacity to, to use these products. That's a bad thing. And the consumer welfare standard leads you straight to the right answer. If, on the other hand, they're big, but they're not doing anything that, that would uh, uh, offend the competitive balance, the consumer welfare standard will say, okay, that's fine. Focusing on size doesn't get the right answer necessarily. It just says if you're big, no matter what you're doing, you're a threat and we're, and we're going to discipline you. We're not going to let you acquire any more companies. We might break you up, whatever it might be. So th the danger here is that by, by not finishing the analysis, going all the way down to how are consumers affected, you actually interfere with some things that would otherwise be beneficial. And that's that's a mistake. Would the proposed changes um, be limited to big tech? I mean, you've already mentioned that it gets into a little bit of these other areas, but how might these changes affect the economy as a whole? So the, the bills they're marking up today are focused on 
technology companies and 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 people designated as platforms. So you can uh, call the Apple App Store a platform. They sell their own apps in there. Google's a platform. Amazon's a platform. Uh, it's a tech-oriented bill and and um, hearing. But as I said, the FTC and the Department of Justice are undertaking this sort of review and rewrite of uh, the merger guidelines, and and that affects the economy as a whole. And they are following the same sort of line of reasoning: big is bad, and, and we need to to stop that and stop acquisitions. And so, you know, it would affect a lot of things. So big news yesterday in in a world I don't participate in the gaming world, you know, Microsoft was out to buy this enormous gaming company, Activision. Microsoft's pretty big. Activision is pretty big. Put them together, they're big. If these guidelines were in place, would that happen? Probably not, right? They'd probably just step right in and say, no, you can't do that. Is that a good idea? I don't know. But I think we should find out what are the, the potential benefits for people who care about the gaming world of having that combination? That That's the point. Yeah, I think I saw something like they would become like the third largest uh, gaming company in the world if, if, they, if that happened. Let's wrap up with uh, something else that happened yesterday. President Biden had his press conference after his first year in office. Um, so let's let's talk about his, let's get your take on uh, the Biden administration's first year in office. The administration, you know, is touting its key its key achievements as record job growth. Um, last spring, it had the one point nine trillion dollar spending bill, the bipartisan infrastructure bill, and of course, his rapid vaccine program rollout. So, you know, let's just go through some of these with some rapid fire questions on the Biden administration's first year in office. How do you grade President Biden on the economy? Uh, I have uh, been on record as giving him a gentleman's C minus, and that's as good as I can get it. Yeah. So a lot of a lot of that it has to do with uh, unemployment and the inflation. Uh, it, it comes from uh, two big ones. Uh, number one, the handling of the public health crisis, which in the end is the most important economic policy. Our current economic woes stem directly from the coronavirus. So, you know, why are you a year late in getting going on the rapid testing, which, you know, I've been on record as suggesting is an important part of the portfolio of responses. Why haven't we spent the year getting monoclonal antibodies into widespread use and having better therapies? You know, why isn't there an op Operation Warp Speed style effort on both testing and oral therapeutics like the Pfizer pill? All of that, um, I think would, would be a way to buttress uh, the battle against coronavirus and make the economy function better. People can go back to work, wouldn't have to worry about it, things like that. So that's sort of one issue. Second is the American Rescue Plan. I mean, it's it's just a, uh, remains an enormous policy error, way too big, done at the wrong time, poorly designed, generated the inflation that um, uh, is plaguing all of us right now. And um, it didn't have to be that way. Right. Uh, the president signed it. He could have, he could have not he could have vetoed it. Right? Perhaps unrealistic given the politics. But, you know, on the substance, that's just a really big policy error. Um, and, and and we're paying the, the price of it right now. So those are those are negatives. I don't give them any credit for big employment growth. If you kill 20 million jobs in one month, as we did in April of uh, 2020, you're going to get uh, rapid employment growth as you recover from that. So that's that's not an accomplishment. You just happen to be there as it happened. And that would be true of any president coming out of a recession. And then, you know, they do have to get positive points, I think, for the passage of the bipartisan infrastructure uh, bill. I mean, that was something that literally the president kept alive, died twice in the Senate. The president personally intervened to make sure that Republicans and Democrats were sitting at a table and they got the right group together to sign off on something. 
I think he deserves credit for that. I think that's what, what in my view, most people elected him to do, to, to return us to a, a sort of sense of normalcy and and uh, working together. And so, you know, we should reward that effort. That's a good thing. Interesting. Well, back on the, you already started talking about the public health mission, but um, what did the administration get right and wrong in its response to COVID-19? Well, it, it's right that vaccines are important, super important. It turns out that, you know, if you are triple vaccinated uh, with a booster shot and, and you contract um, the Omicron variant, um, the record is that most people have very mild cases. That's something that looks closer to a seasonal flu than to earlier episodes of COVID-19. And so vaccines are, are really important. I think the heavy-handed vaccine mandate did more harm than good. So a little nuance in the pursuit of those vaccines would have been helpful. They've become a divisive thing. But I think they have gotten wrong the testing, gotten wrong the the, the sort of notion that there's more than one way to, to get prevention. You can do it with tests or vaccines. It doesn't necessarily have to be masks or take your combinations. Uh, and that, you know, prevention is not the only thing. You can also lower the consequences of contracting it. And, and that's what the, the antivirals like the monoclonal antibodies will do. And that's what the Pfizer's uh, oral uh, therapeutic will do. You know, we need all of these things. right? And, and, and focusing on only one, I think, is a mistake. What about the administration's legislative agenda? Their legislative agenda is the Build Back Better Act. Uh, it's dead in the water. There's nothing past that that, that you can point to. Uh, so, you know, I think they need to do a couple of things uh, philosophically. Number one, it is time to turn the economy back to the private sector and let it grow. Right? We don't need stimulus. We don't need government intervention. We don't need any of that stuff. So, you know, let just say go and let it go. Number two. Take care of business as a government. We still haven't funded the government for this fiscal year. So finish the uh, annual appropriations. You know, do the, the nuts and bolts of governance um, and focus on that. Yeah, I'm sure we will be talking about the February 18th deadline that they have to fund the government on a future podcast. Um, but one final question for you today. What advice would you give the Biden administration in changing its focus or tactics for 2022 and beyond? I, I think that it's a very government-centric view of the universe. They they still believe they're out there fixing the supply chain, which is uh, just insanity, right? The private sector has every incentive to fix its own supply chain to the extent possible. So they should focus on the things that only the government can do well. So public health, important, government can do it. They should focus on that. They should recognize the private sector has an enormous uh, capacity to grow. There's no observable weakness in the economy. Household balance sheets are good, payroll, uh, Payrolls are growing rapidly, so labor income is growing rapidly. We'll grow. I mean, and let, let that happen. Stop trying to reinvent the economy. Well, Doug, thanks for joining us uh, and breaking down all these issues. I'm sure we'll be talking again in the future. Thank you. Good to see you. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. Tune back in for our next episode, where our experts will provide clear, data-driven insights into today's economic and domestic issues. I'd also encourage you to check out any of the links in our show notes and also follow us on social media to learn more about AAF. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play.